going to camp blood, ain't you? Thank you for joining us at Now Playing for our Friday the 13th retrospective. With all the excitement of the Michael Bay remake of Friday the 13th coming out on Friday, February 13th, we here at Now Playing will be looking back at all of the installments in the Friday the 13th movie franchise, from Crystal Lake to New York to Deep Space. You'll never come back again. It's got a death curse. Just a quick warning up front, these are R-rated movies that barely made it past the MPAA, and our discussions of the movies are just as R-rated. And also, these reviews will contain major spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Today we are talking about Friday the 13th Part 3. This is Brock, co-host of Now Playing... Stuart from L.A. Arnie from Springfield. And now I have to ask, since this is part three in 3D. Dun, 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 dun. I have never seen part three in 3D. Has anyone here seen it in the actual 3D? Does anyone ever see any 3D unless they're at a theme park? I mean, really? <laughs> like, I feel like it's a theme park format. Like, really not a practical way to watch a movie. Well, you live in L.A. Every year in L.A., they apparently have screenings of this movie with the full 3D format. And then let's not forget the most recent explosion of 3D, Journey to the Center of the Earth, Spy Kids, all of the computer animated stuff. Yeah, Beowulf. I saw Meet the Robinsons in 3D, and the experience was so accentuated by having Meet the Robinsons in 3D. I mean, wow. I can't believe I spent the extra $5 to see that little vehicle <laughs> float in front of me. Yeah, yeah. Lo- it's one thing to, to meet them. It's another thing to actually have them pop out and be able to touch them. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> and you saw Monster House in 3D. and I'm, Oh, I did see that, yeah. And I'm going to be seeing My Bloody Valentine in 3D this week. So 3D is really making a comeback. So it's kind of apt that we are going back to its previous explosion not including Captain EO being (laughs) Friday the 13th 3D, which I want to point out was the first major studio 3D picture, which would then be followed by Jaws 3D and all the rest. In the 80s you're talking about. Yes. Okay, because obviously 3D started out as a 50s novelty because they were afraid of television. They were like, oh no, everyone's going to stay home. How do we get them there? We'll make sure pop out of the screen. Which is exactly what's happening now, though, with the 3D craze, too. <laughs> totally, same thing. It's like, now everyone to stay home and rent it or, or DVD it, and so, yeah, we're going to do 3D again. Apparently, the one that I'm really excited about, just to get a little bit off topic, apparently the one that's going to revolutionize the way we think about it is the next James Cameron movie. It's supposed to come out uh, at the end of the year, and what they're doing in the 3D format is supposed to be so incredible, it'll blow your mind. Avatar, yeah. Let's not forget George Lucas is remastering all of the Star Wars movies to be 3D. And Toy Story movies are coming out next year, the original two. get you to see these movies you already own on VHS and DVD. They're putting them on 3D as well. And I got to say, if I was given the choice of, like, I am here in L.A., and if something were playing in regular format or 3D, (laughs) I would go see it in a 3D format. That is what happened with Beowulf. I was like, well, I don't know that I want to see this movie, but it would be fun to see it 3D IMAX. Now, Friday the 13th Part 3... So none of us saw it in 3D. However, it is coming out next month in 3D on DVD, so you can have that 3D experience at home. 
But unfortunately, we're a little bit ahead of that curve. So I'm watching this movie. The movie starts and this guy's doing laundry and this pole sticks out in the front of the screen. And then later on, this yo-yo goes back and forth. And then the, the fist smashes through the window and it just stays there. So I'm watching this movie for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, what is with these camera angles? Why are so many point of view shots? What is going on? And then it occurred to me, oh, yeah, this was the 3D one. I completely forgot when I was watching the movie. And once I realized that was a 3D, then obviously I was like a little more forgiving of the incredibly weird shots that I was seeing but i really wish it said somewhere on the dvd i had that it was in 3d so i would have remembered because i was really spaced out the first 25 minutes of this movie what about the opening credits that were supposed to pop off the screen that perspective coming out kind of like the 20th century fox logo so they could stretch out at you well i'll tell you i thought two things during the opening sequence one what a ripoff of superman's credits and two what is with the music the cheesy music <laughs> Music in the beginning of this movie, I was like, holy good God. It took away all sort of suspense and any sort of ambiance that the first two movies had. And although it's a kick-ass song, it just seems a little out of place for a horror movie. Well, this movie came out in 1982. And so as many campers as Jason has killed, let's be clear, Jason also killed Disco. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought the tune was great. I loved it. I was shaking it. <laughs> uh, can I just say about 3D that just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should do it. I felt like the filmmakers had the thought, oh, it's in 3D. That must mean every single thing that we do must poke out at the audience so that they'll have some kind of reflexive kickback in their seat reaction to it. I, I equate that to, like, if it were the silent movie era and they just invented talkies, the director said, hey, guys, they can hear us now. Now everyone scream at the top of their lungs. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, popcorn is flying out at you, yo-yos, laundry. Like, why do I want laundry coming at me? I don't. It's, it's very juvenile. There's too much starch! <laughs> and it was. It was too much starch. <laughs> <laughs> what, what got me about this was after I realized it was a 3D movie or was supposed to be seen in 3D format, the movie doesn't really work if it's not... I'm not sure if it does work in 3D, but it didn't work without the 3D. It was just so completely obvious that something was going on or supposed to happen. So throughout the whole movie, it was completely obvious. Now, mm -hmm. maybe when this movie came out, it was the early 80s, so home video was just starting, right? Rental videos were just starting and didn't really take off, obviously, till the mid-80s. But I was renting movies, I think, this early. I don't remember anymore. I was. Okay, there you go. So the point I'm trying to make is no one had the capability to do that. So no one gets to see these pop-out effects at all on cable, on VHS. And back then, I guess they didn't care, but you would think they would try to make a movie that would work in both ways, just in case. Uh, Brock, I think that takes more forethought than is actually up on screen. I mean, they weren't <laughs> thinking about anything, I think, except making a quick buck. Well, not to get too deep into the business side of this, but I don't think the home video revenue stream that companies covet today was that big during the 80s because while they'd sell to rental places, that wouldn't be as big of a revenue stream as having a blockbuster hit. And one thing about part three, as god-awful as it is, and I can't wait to get to that, 
It is the top grossing sequel to Friday the 13th, other than <laughs> Friday vs. Jason. Why is that? Because it got people out of the butts and into the theaters to see a 3D horror film. And so the gimmick paid off, literally. Okay. And the home video, they it was a new format. It wasn't widely adopted. Back in the early 80s, you were still paying five to $800 for a VCR. And, and keep in mind, there was two formats. Do we put it out in VHS or do we put it out in beta? And I get all that, but would the movie theaters be able to show this movie in 3D? Or is there a special projector that's needed? I'm not familiar with the process. Do you, all you need is special glasses to watch it? Or Actually, I can answer this question because I did a little bit of research on these Friday the 13th movies. Okay. Paramount decided they were going to do 3D, the first major studio doing 3D, because there had been some independent film in 3D that had just been an explosion of popularity. And so they hired a 3D guy... And they ended up manufacturing projector lenses, and Paramount had to send to every theater that played this. And this was over a thousand theaters, which back in the 80s is like going to over 3,000 theaters today. And they sent each one of them a special set of projector lenses to install, and they made it a permanent fixture on those cameras so that way they could keep sending the 3D films. They had to have 24-7 tech support so that if the 3D didn't work, if it wasn't synchronized correct, this was a major expense for Paramount, but they weren't looking at it as a Friday the 13th expense. They were looking at it kind of like the digital upgrade today of theaters where, yeah, this is the first, but we're going to keep doing this and keep bringing them back. But then what happened was there was a patent lawsuit and they had to recall all of those lenses and that is why 3d died not that people didn't love it but that somebody sued weird but brock to go back to your original point you say that this movie should be made so it could hold up on video i meant more about yes video but also if i didn't realize that the theater had to have the lens that you just said i thought there were going to be some movie theaters that could not show it in 3d so it meant both ways i thought they should make it so they can watch the movie in 3d and without 3d is what i was trying to say and i understand that yeah but more importantly to that point, by making it so that you can watch it in 3D or not in 3D, I think the crux of that would be making a good movie, which <laughs> they did not do. I believe that even with the popcorn flying at my face and the yo-yo scene, had the movie been good, <laughs> then we would have had something we could watch in 2D as well as 3D, and every so often been kind of pulled out of the movie by going, oh yeah, 3D laundry, ooh. But <laughs> really, on the 3D point, it seems to me that very little of the 3D action was action. It was popcorn and yo-yos and laundry. Yes, there's the one classic eye-pop scene and the harpoon scene, and I just gotta say, the wires are clearly visible. They spent far more money on the lenses than they spent on the hiding of their chicanery on this film. But it most of the times that I was pulled out of the action for a 3D effect wasn't action at all. Right. And I also the snake has a clear wire. The big hatchet through the door frame has a wire. You're absolutely right. And what's fun about this movie for me was this movie was exactly what I thought the Friday the 13th movies were all about before I actually started watching them with you two. This is just a excuse to kill people with no plot, no reasons, etc. So on top of really just a blatantly bad movie, 
you have these blatantly bad special effects for 3D effect or even just, you know, I didn't really, I, I forgot again that the eye popping would scream out on the screen into your eyeballs with the 3D glasses. But all I could see was that string. And I thought there might be a spring there too, but I couldn't tell. How would you suggest, Arnie, that they make the action in 3D? Because obviously the gimmick was all, was all about the gimmicks, but what could they have done? I mean, maybe the pitchforks through the stomach would also stick out to the audience maybe? Or what could they possibly have done in the plot, in the action, to make the 3D work? All I can say is, in 3D, one of the things I notice, because I've seen far more 3D movies in 2D than I've seen in 3D, and the thing I notice is that everything in the frame is in focus. Everything has tight focus. It's like they've cranked down that aperture to nothing. And it always creates a weird aesthetic for the film. The reason being, in 3D, one of the hardest things to do is keep focus, because you've got two lenses going. But yet, I can't imagine how long they spent setting up the juggling scene. (laughs) How much time did it take to set up that camera and have people throw balls at the camera to make sure that when it happens, those balls are going to be going to the back of the theater? And yet, I think that that takes away from the fact that when Jason is attacking... He should be the one popping out. You know, I I can just think again of My Bloody Valentine, where constantly somebody's throwing something at the victim, thus going out into the audience, which was done here with the harpoon, and you had the eye. But if you think about it, I suppose it's because some of it was very obvious and some of it was very inobvious. At the end of the movie, when Jason's hanging with the rope around his neck and he reaches out for the girl, I bet he reached out for the audience and that just doesn't translate. Likewise, when the biker chick is swinging back and forth on the rope, I bet she's swinging out into the audience and that just doesn't translate. But the fact is, I would think that you'd want to keep it in the screen for the not action parts and kind of lull the audience into a sense of security so that when Jason comes out, that's when it's really reaching out to get him. That's when it's breaking that fourth wall to drag them in to go, oh, shit, he's going to fucking kill me. Right. And instead, I'm thinking, oh, shit, that ball's going to hit me in the face. <laughs> and, I, and I would like to just stress, too, there has been one actual I – I feel like I keep breaking up Hitchcock whenever we're talking these movies. But there has been actually one – true cinema master who's worked in 3D, and that was Hitchcock. And his concept, when you watch Dial In for Murder, the original, it's not about, you know, having people jerk at what's popping out of the screen. He blocked it like a play. You think of it as, as a depth, it's as you would stage a play. Like, it's about a dead body, and so they would just have the dead body in the foreground and the characters talking in the background, and you would always be aware that they're talking and unaware that there's a body in the next room. I mean, he would use it as he would use a lot of things to help build suspense. It wasn't just about reflexes. And this movie is just all about... Can I just get up in your grill? All right. I think we've gone on enough about 3D. Mm. Why don't we talk about the movie that we all saw, the very 2D movie? (laughs) Yes. Without the 3D, what are we left with? I would say not a lot. (laughs) I, I say this movie is very interesting in that the acting was, I thought, 
it could not have gotten worse <laughs> from the first movie. The acting in this movie was terrible. I thought they actually had a, a marked improvement on the second one. And wow. I also was really put off by this movie's need for the cheap scare. There's kind of a fun thing when you do the Mr. X, but if you just go for the cheap scare or the, we're going to fool you, and they had a lot of that with Shelby. It got to the point when Shelby actually gets it, I knew he was really dead. Or when his hand comes out of the lake to grab the girl, I knew it was Shelby's hand. They used it so much to the point where I'm not buying this anymore. I can understand why they want to do that, but that's just poor writing if you do it over and over again. There's always a little bit of that, but it can't just be that. Isn't it a little bit of the boy who cried wolf, though, to again lull the audience into thinking, oh, it's another one of Shelley's gags, and then it's not, thus upping the ante for the audience, keeping them on their toes. But it didn't work because I knew by the way the things were framed or maybe because of this instance, everything took a little longer. I can't exactly explain to you, but I was not fooled. I got a great example for you. Late in the movie, the woman, the main girl, is in the set that's supposed to be a cabin, but it's clearly a set. And she has all these windows around her and doors, and she's locking all the windows and doors. And then they linger on her so long. I'm thinking, well, this would be a great opportunity for her boyfriend to become crashing through the window and try to get us to get scared. And then it didn't happen. And then it didn't happen. And then it still didn't happen to the point where my brain goes, oh, my God, I can't believe they missed that opportunity. And then it happens. It took so long for them to actually do it or edit it properly to make that scare, quote unquote, work that when it does happen, I don't care anymore or I'm not going to be scared. And that, I think, was the problem. I think when you have so many of these cheap scares, when the real ones come around, they're not scary. And then to the point where they don't know how to deliver the actual good scare. I mean, and I think you can take that and apply it to the whole movie, there's a lag between when all of the kids get killed to begin with. We wait an hour for one of them to drop. I mean, it is a long time before Jason gets down to business. And when he does, when he's killing all of the kids in all the various 3D fashions, 10 minutes. I mean, we wait an hour for 10 minutes worth of work. Admittedly, there's a convenience store killing and and some biker gang people in between that's supposed to be like appetizers, I guess. But (laughs) it really is is poorly paced. It just drags out for 10 minutes of work. I was bored and annoyed. I have that in my notes, too, that I was bored. I also have in my notes that... You know, they start doing subtitles for these movies, the next movie. But if they were going to subtitle this movie, I think they should call it Friday the 13th Part 3, Don't Go in the Barn. Because <laughs> Can we talk about that? They weren't at a camp anymore. Was that a farm? And if it was a farm, where were the animals? And it's happening on Saturday the 14th. I mean, I feel like they got everything wrong on this one. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, they they broke the rule of screenwriting. If you show a bale of hay in the first act, then you should use it in the third act. (laughs) I know. Here's my thing about the barn. And I didn't notice this until after our last conversation when Brock was talking about in the first movie how Mrs. Voorhees had a very logical progression to her killing. She was in this room and then she followed this person to this room and you could basically do a little Billy match of the campground to see where Mrs. Voorhees went and killed people. Billy as in the family circus? Yes. Nice (laughs) reference. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Now, in this movie, because you'd said that about that one, you can do the same thing for Jason. Now, in the last movie, Jason lost his bag. He no longer had the bag over his head. And 
Jason's ashamed of his face. He he doesn't like that he's different. And so he hides in the barn. He doesn't want to be seen. And then people go in the barn and he kills them. But he's not going to leave the barn. You see a lot of POV shots from the barn. Jason wants to go kill them, but he can't because they'll see his face. Finally, Shelly walks in with a hockey mask. Now Jason is free and Jason can leave the barn because he can hide his face. I think it's really about the lack of self-confidence that Jason has from his birth He's a phantom of the opera type or something. Yes. Well, why did he leave the barn to kill the convenience store people? Why did he kill those convenience store people? He was on the way to the barn, I think, picking up supplies. (laughs) Right. Of course. He stole their clothes. That's where he got his new outfit because he was all bloody from the machete in the shoulder from the last one. He was there to steal the clothes. Wow, I, I missed all of that this time. I guess I was like Stuart, just bored out of my gourd. Okay, I'm going to admit something. I missed all of this too. Oh. I watched the movie. I'm like, what is going on? And then I read the Wikipedia movie description, which is a complex psychological deconstruction of Jason. And I'm like, wow, they really read a lot into that. I see it. Oh. Yes, I haven't cried so much since I saw E.T. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I'm not going to cry for Jason. <laughs> I'm not going to apply any kind of sympathy for this man. This, no, this, no. He's not a Frankenstein character. I mean, he's a butcher. He didn't, you know, mishandle the girl and and kill her. In fact, can we talk about what did he do with this girl that's at the central point of this plot? You're talking about the two-year flashback. Yeah, there's this flashback the two years prior, which was not alluded to in any other uh, Friday movie, that she was out walking alone, and then he runs up and holds her down in the leaves, and then she wakes up in her own bed. And I'm thinking... Yeah. You know, he's a teenager now, right? He's getting yeah. a little, you know, something, Rant. something. Is that what we're supposed to take from this? Definitely not going to be sympathetic towards that. I had never thought that until you said it. I kind of thought my entire life, and again, I first saw this movie when I was 13. I always thought that she just barely escaped and was saved by her parents who saw Jason the freak. And she woke up in her own bed because they put her there. And then they just never wanted to talk about the psycho killer in the woods. But I definitely think watching this after you said that, you can see that in this. You can definitely read that into it if that's what you want to read into it. That's exactly how I saw it, too. So I guess it's there. Or maybe that Stuart and I have a different – our brain works a little bit differently and – Maybe we should see someone about that. Um, (laughs) So this is the first and only time we see Jason a little randy. Yeah, a little randy. But, you know, the the main girl in this movie wasn't that bad. I I could see it. Yeah, she was one of the prettier ones. I thought she was okay. And she was by far the best actress of all these bad actors. I said the same thing in the first time, the first movie we talked about. So perhaps they do find this one girl who actually can hold herself up as an actress and they put her in the lead role and everyone else who comes to audition who is not as quite as good, they keep giving them less and less to do. They get killed earlier and earlier in the movie. So all the better actors are left towards the end, maybe. Maybe that's the progression. What do I know? I'll agree with that the acting was bad. More than that, it was not only were they bad in their roles, they seemed miscast. Like, there's a woman that's supposed to be pregnant, and there's a shower scene, and she's not pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> well, she could just be first trimester. Okay, maybe. All right, fine. <laughs> or or then, then we have these Cheech and Chong, it's a co-ed Cheech and Chong kind of pair called Chuck and Chili. 
And not only do they smoke weed, but when the cops come, they're like eating fistfuls of weed to hide it from the cops. And yet, do they ever act stoned? Do they ever, like, you know, say, wow, man, or any of that? Nothing. Like, she's lounging by the pool, and, I mean, the acting was beyond bad. And they're constantly craving this stuff, and they're constantly talking about it, and all they want to do is smoke pot, and... They don't act like that. They just no. Talk. They don't have the eyes. They don't even get the munchies until it's time for the popcorn to fly in everyone's face. And <laughs> what about the hard body couple with the hammock sex? I just can't picture out how that works. That's the pregnant girl again. Hammock sex. Really? Let me tell you, I'm not an expert on hammock sex. I do know leverage is very hard to get in a hammock. I don't know how one would. Frankly, I think it's hard to do that, and they <laughs> seem to have no problem getting it on in there. Furthermore... Well, he was kind of an acrobat, you know? He was always walking around on his hands or juggling or something like that. Maybe that was like circus <laughs> practice or something. I don't know. I was in a hammock on my honeymoon, and it was even hard just to reach over and kiss her next to, when she's lying next to me. I can't imagine... I mean, I mean, honey, that's not me. That's the hammock. I mean, there's a whole bunch of bad things that can go on there, but I'm just going <laughs> to stop right there. <laughs> Let's talk about that biker gang. Okay. If we must. The biker gang. Were they supposed to be tough? Because I'd say the guy who wore the chain was about as tough as Junkyard Dog from G.I. Joe. When I think of gangs, I think of homogenous drugs, violence, whatever. I mean, like, yeah, this gang doesn't make any sense. It's co-ed. Um, <laughs> they, they bark. They wear, like, plastic chains. It, it really felt like... And they terrorize, you know, New Jersey camps. I, I don't understand what the mission is. Like, what what is what's that gang about? And I would have perhaps again, this is my 21st century gang violence mindset, but I would have believed it more if they were there to kill the entire group. Which who could blame them? That group was really deserving. But <laughs> they're there to burn down the barn and talking about. Don't worry, no one's gonna get hurt. All I know is this is set in New Jersey, and no one ever has a Jersey accent, ever. It's like this weird Jersey in which everyone speaks from the middle of the country. Yeah. I did like that when they were burning down the barn, they siphoned the gas, and that actually comes back later on when our heroine finally thinks, oh, maybe I should drive away in a car. I believe I made that complaint in the last couple of episodes. So now, when she wants to go in the car, she can't. There's no gas. But that was the only time I ever thought that, hey, hey, okay, they set that up for us. But getting back to the actual gang members, I thought their terrorizing of the convenience store was quite realistic, but more realistic in the high school bully kind of way as opposed to, you know, mid-20s gang kind of way. (laughs) I felt they were kind of looking for milk money. The the amount of time that was spent on that Velcro wallet, I'm thinking Sideshow Collectibles is going to come out with a replica piece of it eventually. I just don't understand what they're doing for the milk money. You know what? I, I was in New York City one time, and there's this guy in a convenience store in one of those little bodegas on the corner, and he's trying to cause trouble. And all he really wanted was us to say, you know what? Why don't I buy you, well, you know, Twinkies and a soda or a beer? That's all he wanted someone to say finally, oh, I'll buy you something. Maybe if these guys just said, you know what? Why don't I get you a six-pack and we'll call it a day? Everything could have gone absolutely swimmingly. But no. Yeah, yeah, there was a juvenile mentality to them. In fact, when they're going to burn down the barn, Fox, the female one, they're like, where did she go? She's up, like, swinging on a, on a rope, going, wee! 
please, you know, I'm like this. Yeah, they just needed some love. I feel like a lot of these characters are are, are looking for some maternal attention. And it's do they get paternal attention, which we could go very Freudian. You know, the father punishes, the mother loves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too deep. Well, you know, I don't have much more to say about the movie, but I can say this, and this almost is a defense. If there's one thing that is right about this third part, is one thing I've noticed about part threes in general is they're either bringing about the end of something, they're either the end of a trilogy, or it's like the one that kind of sucks and the whole franchise sucks afterwards, or it just creates the formula. You know, if you go back to Goldfinger, the third Bond movie, it was like, that was the movie where they finally figured out it was about babes and gadgets and this and that. Or if you look at Nightmare 3, that was the one where Freddy started being a stand-up comedian and making puns while he's killing people. And this one really seemed to create the formula. You know, it's Jason in a hockey mask, killing bad actors... I mean, I feel like this is the template that they followed for the rest of the whole series. I agree completely on that. I mean, one of the only good things to come out of this movie was that hockey mask, which has become so iconic and works so much better than Baghead. You know, I know, obviously, because I'm (laughs) I'm over 30 and I grew up in the 80s, that Jason wears the hockey mask. But what the first time you see that hockey mask on him, my goodness, is that effective. It really really is. And maybe if they had that from the beginning, uh, in the last movie, I should say, not the beginning, but the last movie, uh, he would have been even scarier. But the bag over the head certainly was scary. It was kind of the homemade aspect to it, you know? It was really creepy. A a guy with a bag on his head, that's kind of creepy. But this hockey mask really just seals the deal. And I thought it was just amazing to see him walk out of that barn with that mask on. It was just I said, cool. I don't want to give too much credit or even overanalyze, not that we're not overanalyzing the entire saga, but (laughs) I don't want to overanalyze the work of a stuntman too much. But when Jason walks down the pier with the mask and the harpoon gun, he's got a bit of a swagger too. And he just, he walks up. And then he raises that gun. He's a great shot because he shoots her right in the eye from 50 yards. Then he turns around and he just walks away. I mean, it's James Bond kind of cool. You know, he just lined up that shot, though, for, what, five minutes? It took forever. He stood there pointing the gun at her. She just stood there. What are you doing? Is that a gun? Why are you pointing it at me? But (laughs) that's what it seemed like to me. I want to bring up one more thing because I brought it up in the first movie. This woman goes through such a horrible, traumatic event with this guy coming after her. And what's better to relax after a night of people trying to murder you than a nice, peaceful canoe ride off on a lake? You know, again, I, I heard you say that on the first one. When watching the third one, it made more sense because... <laughs> because we saw it before? No. Friend? Because she doesn't think he's dead. She may have thrown an axe at his head, but remember, she starts having that vision of him in the window. She thinks he's still there because she's choked him and done all these things and cannot stop him. So she has the correct assumption, one of the few smart horror movie girls you know just because i've shoved an axe into his head i'm not gonna trust that he's not gonna get back up so i'm gonna go out into this obviously fake lake (laughs) that's lit from underneath and be safe little does she know that the dead mother has stitched her head back on crawled into the lake to pop out and grab her but not before she put on her sweater and then crawled into the lake (laughs) it gets cold in the lake (laughs) 
that ending honestly has never worked for me. I mean, I don't know if they were thinking that in part four, Jason's zombie mom would be the villain. Because again, we've only had two movies with Jason as the villain, one with his mother. So maybe they thought they were a tag team duo. But that ending, and it looks so bad. The makeup effects are so bad. I'm guessing part of it is that the makeup had to be against the water and it was daylight and it was a lingering shot. One of the smart things done in part one is there's very few frames of Jason. They're in slow motion, but he's partially eclipsed by the body and it's really quick. This, the lady rises up and just kind of stands there for a moment and it's like, oh my God, that looks really cheap. Uh, apparently there's an alternate ending. I did a, a, a wiki on this one and the original ending was that she hears her bo- boyfriend who has been killed calling her to the barn and she walks in the barn, and Jason's there, and the final shot is him swinging the machete, and then it's her head, you know, flying in the That would have been a much better ending, because first of all, it's a little bit darker. For once, no one gets away. And second of all, a head flying at the audience is just cool. That's cool. I I kind of agree. that I don't know why they didn't go with that. Maybe the makeup effect didn't work, but apparently was they... They wrote a novelization of Part 3, which I have not read yet. <laughs> and you're not going to because it goes for over $100 on eBay. 100 bucks. Yeah. Wow, uh, hey, this guys, movie doesn't look like it costs 100 bucks. If, if they make a novel of Part 3 and it's supposed to be a 3D movie, would that be a pop-up book? <laughs> <laughs> but that is the ending you'll find in the book. One more thing I want to talk about, and then I think we can close out part three. I like to analyze the evolution of the Jason makeup effects. And in this one, we don't see Jason's face, and then we barely see Jason. They kind of redo the hand and foot thing from part two and one. But then we see him in the hockey mask. And then at the end, in the flashback, we kind of see his face. And then at the end, when he's attacking the final girl, he pulls up the mask to show his face, (laughs) to go, remember me? And then puts the mask back down. It's very Lando in Return of the Jedi. (laughs) Hey, everybody, it's me, Lando. I think he thought he was special because he was the first one, you know? He was like, it's me. It's the man of your dreams. He had something, remember? (laughs) You You were walking through those leaves and and uh, screaming <laughs> no his face is different in this one and is exactly it... and he'd look different in the second one so why would she recognize him well in the flashback not only did he look like he looked at part three which was bald whereas in the last one he had that lanky mountain man hair and also he was wearing the same clothes in the flashback that he stole from the convenience <laughs> store people but continuity aside mm-hmm. <laughs> all right yeah good point but I, here's my problem. If I saw this in 1982, I might have thought, oh my God, what a deformity. Seeing this for the first time in the late 80s and as a child who loved the Goonies, all yep. I could think of was Sloth. Mm-hmm. He looks just like Sloth. I, I expected to go, baby, Ruth, junk. That would have been cuter. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the same actor. Maybe he did both roles. <laughs> And then when in the dream sequence at the end where he's in the window kind of smiling out and waving, I mean, that is such a lame sloth oh. moment. I just thought those were <laughs> – I'm, I'm glad they didn't keep that look. Uh, they, they went different for the future movie. All right. Let's close out. Would you recommend Friday the 13th in 3D <laughs> to your friends? I can't recommend it in 3D because I didn't see it in 3D, but I recommend this in 2D. No way. Absolutely not. Probably one of the worst of the series. 
Hopefully. I got to agree. There's no way I could recommend this in good conscience. There's nothing redeeming about this movie, but I guiltily have pre-ordered the actual 3D DVD, and I will subject myself to this yet again. And I'd like to hear what you have to say about that once you see the 3D effects. It's not going to save the acting, the plot, the characterization, or anything else. So, you know what? Even if it is in the most eye-popping 3D, I still can't recommend this movie. Well, yeah, but I just want to see your impressions of that yo-yo. I want to see if that yo-yo looks <laughs> real. <laughs> Thanks, Arnie. Thank you. Thanks, Stuart. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to our Friday the 13th retrospective. We will be reviewing two Friday the 13th episodes each week up to the release of the new movie in February. Come back to nowplayingpodcast.com to get the latest episodes. If you did. If you did. If you did. If you did. Now Playing is a production of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved.